everyone. Um, so my name's Graeme. Um, uh, if you're visiting today, it's great to have you here. Um, I hope you feel welcome as we're talking about today. A bit of a different sermon series we've been looking at. It's quite practical for us um, in that way. And, and all good theology is practical, by the way. But uh, we've been thinking about church. Um, and uh, yeah, today we're going to be thinking about uh, churches for everyone. So I do hope you feel welcome as you're visiting us today and if you've brought along a friend as well. You can see I've got my name tag on there. It's, my name's Graham. So if you don't have your name tag on, you have a name tag, wear your name tag, okay? Thank you very much. Excellent. Um, hey, let's not be shy to talk to people we don't know uh, today. If you um, uh, see someone you don't know, you've got to introduce yourself. There's no uh, shame in that. That'll be excellent. We're going to have a, a Q&A at the end of our time together. So if you want to jot a few things down, you can see there's a little outline in your bulletin. Hopefully you've got a bulletin. There's a few floating around the seats. I think actually from next week we're going to hand them out at the door again. We're going to go that way. It's a bit radical, I realise that. Um, but I think we've reached that stage where that's okay. So uh, they'll be at the door. But grab your outline. I've left some blanks there. That means that you can jot a few things down and write in those what's in the blank. It's like a fill the blank. Excellent. Uh, we're going to have passages up on the screen as well. Friends, I'm going to pray for us and then we will look into a couple passages and um, think about church once more. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your kindness to us in the Lord Jesus. We thank you that we can gather together uh, in your name and that we can have this time together, gathering together around your word. We ask that you'd speak to us. Help us to be bold. Help us to be loving together as your church. Help us to build each other up, not be spectators. In Jesus' name, amen. So, look, I'm wondering, how, if, if you're here for the first time, you're visiting us, uh, try to catch up. You will. I'll give you a bit of a recap of what we've been doing. And you can always, you can always ask someone, if you're here visiting, you could say, hey, you've been here for a while. What's Graham been talking about for the last six weeks? Test them. That'd be great. All right. Um, so we've been, we've been talking about church. And uh, I've given some homework at various points, and uh, one of them, well, it's not really homework, actually, it's, it's, it's classwork. Put my teaching hat on for a minute. This has really been classwork, because we've been talking about stuff that we'll do here, not so much at home. And so we've been talking about talking to people, we're talking about conversations together, a gospel conversations, so talking to someone about the sermon, praying with someone after church, that type of thing, sharing stories about God's work in your life, uh, how you started following Jesus, maybe how you even started to come here. Last week over, uh, over Easter, Easter Sunday and Good Friday too, we had a number of people here. I did a bit of a walk around trying to say hello to as many people as I could. Um, I uh, interrupted <laughs> a lot of really great conversations, conversations like that, people sharing their story, uh, people encouraging one another. So please be encouraged. That's great, isn't it? Excellent. Be encouraged because this gathering, what we're doing today, this gathering is important. It's important to God. That's what we've been saying. And these conversations that we have together, they are important to God. Because church is about building. It's not about a building. It's about building. Building each other up in love. Being a builder and not a spectator, if you remember those things. Church is special and precious to God. So as we walk into church, that was week one, way back seven weeks ago. As we walk into church... What's, how do we walk in? And not with a silly walk or anything, but we walk in with that same attitude as that God has about church. We, we walk in saying, hey, this is, 
this us, we're special and precious to God, everyone here. And you see, that affects our relationships. Uh, that affects, hey, it even affects where we sit and who we sit with and so forth. It affects our conversations too. A church is special and precious to God. We've also been discussing that we know that church is the gathering of God's saved people. Our gathering in his presence to hear his word, responding to him, committing to loving each other, to being more like Jesus, to growing in maturity as we gather uh, together to hear his word. So then, okay, if that's, that's the definition and that's what we've been talking about, is church then just for Christians? Is church just for Christians? Is, is church just like the Diggers Motorcycle Club next door over there? Um, great blokes uh, doing great things, I think. Is church just like that? You, you can't just turn up to the Diggers Motorcycle Club and never been a digger or an ex-serviceman, right, and drive a Toyota Yaris. You can't do that. Um, it won't work. You, to be a member, you have to get in, be in the motorbikes, fair enough, and you have to have served in the armed forces. Is church just for members? with membership privileges, Christians who are saved. It seems to make sense in, in the light of what we've been talking about and focusing on these past seven weeks. It'd be silly to turn up to Bolo, wouldn't it, and expect membership privileges but refuse to pay the membership fee. You've got to be a member to expect anything in return. Is church just like that? Is it just for Christians? See, we've essentially said that the practical purpose of church on a Sunday is not to reach outsiders, but to love and edify one another. That's what we've, essentially, we've been saying that. I hope that's, that's true, that's what we've been saying. And we've seen that this is something that we all must be involved with, loving and edifying one another, building each other up. But as we grow in maturity, remember that's one of our aims as God's people meeting together, maturity in Christ... As we grow to become more like Jesus, that's what we've been talking about, that's what we want. As we grow to become more like Jesus, do you think that that would result in us being more concerned for people who are not Christians or less? More. The obvious answer is that as we grow to be more like Jesus, growing in the knowledge of his word, taking our faith more seriously, our love for those who don't yet know Jesus will surely grow. We'll be more concerned for those people, not less. Remember, what Jesus came to save, uh, to seek and to save the lost, didn't he? Imagine if people who are becoming more like Jesus ignored the lost, ignored those who have yet placed their trust in Jesus and just thought about themselves. Imagine that. It wouldn't make sense, would it? In fact, I'd hazard to guess, I'd wonder if they knew the Jesus of the Bible at all. You'd wonder, if, you'd wonder where their heart was at with God. Now, the obvious way to reach those people and love them and share the good news of Jesus with them is to go. Remember we talked about, was it three weeks ago now? Two weeks ago? I should know, shouldn't I? I did the sermon. Um, but we talked about going. We talked about eyes out rather than inward, you know? Remember to look out, not just looking in. So we had that week on mission. That was when Wayne and Mandy visited us and so on. That's the obvious way to reach more people uh, and tell them of the love of Jesus. However, this gathering is still, well, it's possibly the best place for non-believers to hear the good news of Jesus. And perhaps you're here today 
You're here today just wanting to discover a bit more about Jesus. A friend has brought you along. I tell you, you've come to the right place. This is the best place for you to come to hear the good news about Jesus. Why? Because church is a place where the word of God ought to be consistently heard and responded to. It's a place where the good news of Jesus is spoken of week in and week out. Where we'll hear of the offer of forgiveness of our sin, no matter what we've done through Jesus' death. Where we'll hear of the significance and reliability of the resurrection of Jesus. That he's alive today. He's not still hanging on a cross. He's not buried in some tomb in, in Palestine. He's alive today and ruling over, sovereign over all. And one day we can be like him. We'll hear of, the, of Jesus being king or lord of all. Rather than putting the crown on our own heads, we're going to put the crown on where it belongs, on Jesus' head, and he's going to rule our life. We're going to submit to him as lord of all and, and trust his words are the best words for our life. We're going to live in repentance and faith. That's the right response. They're the things we're going to hear week in, week out. Shorthand, we're going to hear the gospel. The gospel. That's the, the centre and main theme of the Bible. And if we keep preaching the Bible, we'll keep preaching Jesus, we'll pre keep preaching the gospel. And so church, this gathering here, is an excellent place for anyone, for everyone, whoever you are, to come along and hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus. But not just to hear it, but to be able to ask questions. Uh, to get to know people who have got to know Jesus and, and are living for him. This is the best place to come to do those things. A while back in, um, in our series, I think it was week two, uh, we looked at a passage in 1 Corinthians 14 where the focus was on speaking intelligible words in our meetings. That means, um, that's the word that Paul uses, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 14. Uh, in, in other words, words that anyone can understand. We speak those words in our meetings. Why do we do that? Well, so that anyone new or visiting or investigating, and Paul calls them outsiders, anyone like that could understand. If they walk in, they can understand what's going on. Uh, so they, they could also be built up. So I'll, I'll pick it up from, um, it's up on the screen there, verse 23. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, uh, that was something that the church in Corinth were dealing with at the time, and, uh, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Fair enough, they probably would. But if all prophesy, now I take it prophecy there means, and we can talk about this if you want to later on, uh, but prophecy there means intelligible words shaped by the word of God. It's not a predictive thing or anything like that anymore. Jesus has come. The Spirit's come. When we speak the words of God, that's a form of prophecy. So if all prophecy, if all, if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he's called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he'll worship God and declare that God is really among you. See, in other words, one of the ways we can build God's church is not just to build up one another, but by building in new Christians, by inviting non-believing friends to come along and hear about Jesus, hear the word of God with intelligible words. And this is not just something that I do. Now, I love inviting people to church. I don't know about you guys. Um, I, I do it whenever I can. Uh, but I've only got so many friends limited really who can put up with me um so only a few really so I, I i try to as many as i can but this is something we can all do isn't it 
if, if you think about it, between us all, we're in touch with, I don't know, probably hundreds of people between, and maybe more, hundreds of people that we could ask to come along to church. Uh, although sometimes, sometimes we make it a lot harder than it really is, don't we? Inviting someone to church. Um, how, how do you go about inviting friends to church? Are you, are you like Chachi there? I do like that last line, you know, if you ever want to see your kids again. <laughs> um, maybe we find it hard because, I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong here later on, but um, I think we've lost the knack of being an inviting culture. I don't think we invite people to our homes anymore, um, and let alone church. We just don't invite people places. We might invite them out. But this is like our home. I think Christians ought to be inviting people. We invite people into our homes, but also into church. I reckon, too, most people want to be invited to church. I think they do. Uh, I, I, I think they actually find it much more weird and maybe a little bit offensive if you're happy to talk about your church, but you don't invite them. That's a bit strange, isn't it? Uh, as if church is only for certain types of people. It's not. Church is for everyone. That's the point. You see, if church is for everyone, whoever you are, wherever you're at, then we must make sure that we're a welcoming church. Uh, whoever walks through that door, wherever they're at in life, we must love and welcome them. Earlier, Andrew and Adele read two passages to us which will guide us in the next few minutes. This is where you can start filling in some blanks in your outline. It helps us to paint a picture of what that or a welcoming church looks like, these passages. So I'm going to give you uh, four things to consider. You can see them on your outline there. Uh, four things to pray about. And four things too, I, I hope, that you will enact. And hey, you could even start today. Why not? So here's number one. So a welcoming church has the heart of a welcoming God. I love the term uh, a grace-filled church. I, I really like that. I think that's, a, that's what church ought to be, a grace-filled church. Why? Because God is full of grace. God's full of grace. You might remember the scene, the parable of the lost son. Some people call the parable of the forgiving father. It's in Luke 15. Uh, when the father sees the wayward son returning, and he sees him off in a distance, right at the end of a long driveway. Sort of picture that, or maybe down a long road, and he's up on a hill there, looking, looking, waiting for his son to return. And the father, what the father does, he runs to him. Now, in Middle Eastern culture, fathers don't run. They never do it. That, that, that's, that's, that's something the servants do. That's what the lower classes do that. That's what you get. You get someone else to rush around for you. You don't run. But here, this father, and he's obviously, a, you know, he's, he's got an estate. He's got people who work for him. He, he's pretty well off. This father runs to his son. You can sort of see him hitching up his robes and, you know, breaking the 100-metre record down the driveway. Uh, it's a great picture. I love it. And he runs... He sees his son far off in the distance who's, who's returned and he runs with arms wide open. So <clears throat> let me just pick it up from Luke 15. Jesus continues, When the son, uh, that's the he, the son, come, came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants so he got up and went to his father. But why he was still far off, 
His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And what did he do? He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Isn't that just a beautiful picture? Don't you think? The father is full of grace. Grace means undeserved love. He doesn't deserve... His son, his son wandered away from him. His son rejected him. His son used him. And his son probably stole from him as well. And he's come back. He said, Father, I've sinned against, you in heaven, against heaven and against you. And his father runs to him, puts his arms around him and welcomes him back. A welcoming heart. Jesus says in the same way God has acted like that to us, to you and I. Welcoming us back, forgiving us with arms wide open. See, a welcoming church has its arms wide open. Although I had a friend, a Texan friend, I think I've told this story before, it's very short, but um, this Texan friend, his name was Steve, Steve often said to me, Graham, I can't do an accent, you know that. He said, Graham, <laughs> extend the hand, extend the hand. In other words, shake people's hands. He wasn't a hugger, um, and that's okay. Uh, but, he, but extend the hand and welcome people. You've got to extend the hand. He was a younger bloke than me too. It was quite funny coming from him. But the, his point is, the point we need to welcome people into God's church, uh, into God's kingdom, just like the forgiving father. God's heart to sinners, we too must share that same heart. Uh, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son of the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then, dear friends, since God so loved us, let us love one another. And friends, that message of the forgiving father, the message of Christ dying for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, 1 Peter 3, to bring us to God, is that gospel which we must proclaim, which we must speak of. So number two, a welcoming church proclaims the gospel. That's what we do. So come with me. Well, actually, I've got up on the screen there, Colossians 4, verse 2 to 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So when we pray, we ought to pray that we might proclaim the gospel. Proclaiming means speak of, right? Speak of the gospel clearly and that doors may be opened for our message. Whether that's in church from up front here or in conversations during, after, before church or even away from church with friends, family, wherever. A welcoming church will proclaim the best news this world has ever heard and news that we all need to hear and respond to. Now, Paul goes on in verse 5. He says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that may, you may know how to answer everyone. I really do love verse 6. It's a great verse. As you proclaim the gospel, don't be boring. <laughs> don't be boring. When you speak about Jesus, season with salt. You know, make sure the conversation tastes good uh, and it has a lasting effect. Salt was a preserved in those days as well as um, involved with taste. Uh, that'll help you to answer everyone. So don't be like Charchi. 
uh, the, on the video there. What, careful with our words. Uh, and it's interesting too in verse 6. Have a look at verse 6 there. Paul doesn't write, make sure you know all the answers so that you know how to answer everyone. He doesn't write that, does he? He talks about character. He talks about love and grace. That's what helps our answers first and foremost. Now, that doesn't mean, though, you're not prepared in what you need to say. So, ver- so our number three here, a welcoming church is prepared. Uh, notice back in uh, Colossians 4, 4 verse 2, being prepared is tied in with prayer, devoting ourselves to it, praying for opportunities, open doors for that gospel conversation. And the opportunity for so many of these gospel conversations happens here on a Sunday morning. And so we ought to also prepare ourselves not only in how we answer people, and remember grace, remember saltiness, but also in what we say and how we answer people. So in 1 Peter 3 verse 15, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So how do you prepare for that? How, how do you, what, do you, what do you do to prepare like that? Uh, the obvious answer, I think, really is to get to know your Bible. That's the best way to prepare to answer for the hope that you have. Get to know your Bible. Read your Bible. Commit to a small group. You can sign up to a small group very easily. Grab your... Um, uh, your out, your, sorry, your, your bulletin. There's a little tear-off slip there, and you can put that. You can fill out some names there and tick a box. Say, "I want to be a small in a small group." Uh, commit to church. Listen to the sermon. In a couple of weeks' time, something is very, very exciting happening with our sermons. By the way, we're going to be uh, videoing them. In fact, well, I think we're going to experiment next week. Hopefully, we'll see how we go. Videoing the sermon, you, they'll only see the back of your heads. So they're going to see my face, unfortunately. Um, and uh, we're going to have those sermons online. So if you do happen to miss church, you can catch up with a video of the sermon too. So that's good news. Uh, if you're, if you're, how else do we prepare? This verse is talking about um, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the, uh, the, the reason for the hope you have. Know your story. If you're a Christian person, uh, then know your story so you can share it. Have, have it in your head. Go for a three-minute version. All right? A three-minute version of, um, of your story of how God worked in your life. That might be fairly fresh in your life. Might, you might have been a Christian for 50 years. Uh, know your story. Uh, I, I love hearing people's stories about how they become Christians. It, it's just fantastic. I love it. Um, and if you think, oh, my story's a bit boring. No, it's not. It's awesome. It is wonderful. Yeah, I love he- hearing, hearing stories about how God's worked in people's lives is wonderful. Um, I've, I'm, the other way you can prepare too is read a good book. So I've got a few here that I can plug for the moment. This is one that's helped me a bit with um, these sermon series. So it's small. got to love small books. Uh, it's what is it? It's a hundred and no, it's not even a hundred pages. Look at that. It's seven dollars ninety-nine from Kurong. Why bother with church? Put that down in your notes if you want to read a good book. Why bother with church? I'll leave it up in the lectern for a while. Um, that's one that I think is really good about church. A good one to give to a friend in terms of pre- be prepared to give an answer for the hope you have. I give this out quite a bit. If I were God, I'd make myself clearer. Great book. Um, again, it's small. There's a pattern here, isn't there? Hmm, me and small books. Um, this one here I helped me with my Easter sermon. Um, and um, 
the last chapter at least, but I've read this a couple of times. I went to college with this guy, Rory Shiner. It's called One Forever. So, yep, up there. Um, really good. The other, um, uh, the other book that I really want to plug, but my daughter's got it. She's up in Sydney and she stole my, my book. I might buy another one. She can have it. Um, is the one there. Confronting Christianity. Oh man, it's the best book that I've read for a long time about tough questions. Even if you're still in, if you're still searching it out and wondering who Jesus is, can I recommend you look up that book, uh, kurong.com. It's a Christian bookstore. They deliver it quickly. Um, Confronting Christianity. Uh, it's got a tagline: Twelve Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion. It's just really, really good. I can't. Sad anymore. Uh, Rebecca McLaughlin is an excellent writer, really, really smart, really, really good. So, anyway, listen to a good podcast. There's another, another podcast there, Undeceptions. I've been getting into that lately. If you're a podcast type person and driving in the car, uh, that's a John Dixon one. Good way to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. Um, there's follow good, faithful writers on social media if you're a Instagram or you're whatever you might be, um, following social media. Follow good, faithful writers. Don't waste your time with the dodgy ones. Um, okay, let's get on to our last one. Number four, a welcoming church is gentle. Conversations full of grace. Remember 1 Peter 3.15, but do this with gentleness and respect. Speaking of gentleness, I did some reading up during the week. And uh, I did some reading up on smiling. <laughs> smiling, yes. Because I reckon smiling and gentleness go together. Now, it's my little theory. I haven't written a PhD on it or anything, but I think I'm right. Anyway, um, smiling and gentleness go together. And there's lots of examples on the power of a smile. It's quite weird. There's TED Talks. Although, in this TED Talk, he spoke for eight minutes on the power of a smile. I don't think he smiled once. <laughs> I want my money back. Anyway, now, did you know the Mona Lisa? So, obviously, very well-known painting, uh, very popular, very famous. Most people want to... Where is the Mona Lisa? Anyone know? Where do you, where do you go and see it? Right. Paris, radio. So, if you go to Paris, you're into art, you're going to go to see the Mona Lisa, right? Um, Love by many people. Why do they love it? Here's my theory. I reckon they love it because of her cheeky smile. I reckon she's got a little smile. Am I, am I wrong? No, she's got a smile, hasn't she? What's she smiling at? People have asked that for many, many years. I don't know. Um, but I love it. I think, I, and it, it brings you in. It, 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 it attracts you to the painting. You ask questions. But it's also welcoming, hearing, living, seeing that smile and seeing her eyes and so forth. Uh, this um, Huffington Post article I read uh, on smiling... Power of a smile said, Power is given to things that can impact, influence, and change things in a profound way. Having said that, there's an immense power found within a smile. A smile conveys feelings of happiness, hope, and positivity to anyone who sees it. When you smile, you are sending a message to those around you that you are accepted, you are welcoming, and all is well. So there's a good message for a welcoming church, isn't it? I love the fact that when I'm smiling, you're smiling back at me. I love that. It's wonderful. I was in Sydney a couple of weeks ago with Wes and Eve. They've moved up. My two oldest children moved up to Sydney to go to uni and so forth. And, you know, I've lived outside of Sydney for a long time now. Um, not only 
overseas, but also up the mid-north coast and country towns. And I couldn't help smiling. Do you find this? I couldn't help smiling the people I'd come across on the footpath. Couldn't help do it. There's one guy walking towards me. There are people around me. I smiled and I said, hello. Of course I'm going to do that. It'd be rude not to do it. Imagine if you didn't do that. Imagine a robber. You're walking in the main street and you walk past someone. You didn't smile and say hello. It'd be rude. In Sydney, it's a little bit different though, isn't it? People thought I was a bit of a weirdo. That's okay. Um, but you know what? Every time I did it... So this is on Glebe Point Road. If you know Glebe Point Road in Sydney, it's busy. I was busy smiling and saying hello to people. But, um, and I was embarrassing Wes too. That was funny. Um, Dad, you don't have to do that. Why not? Every time I smiled and said hello, people smiled back and said hello. Every time. They might have thought I was a weirdo. Didn't matter. They smiled back and said hello. See, smiling is infectious. It's welcoming, accepting, and I think it's gentle and it's respectful. I really do. Anyway, that's enough of that. I think a welcoming church smiles. It's general respectful. Well, friends, let's pull a few things together here. Um, what do we want to say? Uh, and I hope you feel that today. I'm putting a, if you're a regular here, I'm putting you under a bit of pressure. We've got some visitors here today. It's great to have you here. But I'm putting you under a bit of pressure if you're a, um, if you're a, a, a regular. Church is for everyone. Wherever you're at, wherever you're at with God, this is the best place for you to come and to hear about Jesus. It's the best place. Uh, it's the best place to hear the gospel, the best news for anyone. How about I pray, and then we'll see if there's any questions or comments. Uh, see how we go. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we thank you for the, the best news, and that is the news of you, Lord Jesus, dying on the cross for our sin. Lord, we're sorry that we're often like that lost son and that we've wandered away. But Lord, we're so thankful that you brought us home with open arms. You ran to meet us and forgave us of our sin. Lord, we pray as a church today that we'd be like that with everyone who comes through that door. Uh, Lord, help us to say it's everyone's job. And Lord, we thank you that for the privilege of being able to do that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.